I'm going to dip the toe right now. We're going to plant the seed, water it a little bit, and then watch it grow in the 7 o'clock hour, then you know, pick the fruits of our labor uh, as that plant grows after I just you know put it in the soil right now. Who has met more and done more, I guess, or who has met more, and this is from everything involved, from on the field and off the field, for the Milwaukee Brewers, both MVPs, both kind of really good at times, kind of really good at times, and others very nefarious at times. Who has meant more for the Milwaukee Brewers? Christian Yelich or Ryan Braun? Everything in, is in play. Everything is in play from on and off. I feel field. like this is a pretty easy one. From press conferences to everything else in between. It could be, but there's a lot of people that hold a lot of resentment for one Ryan Braun. So start thinking about it, Rowdy. It's easy for you, which is good. I want to put a Twitter poll out a little later. Now, I know the careers are a little different in time frame, but Christian Yelich has helped the Milwaukee Brewers get to the playoffs, carried the team for a while, won an MVP. Ryan Braun done the same. But there are, right now, Ryan Braun, you have... This little press conference and a little thing called PEDs. And for Christian Yelich, you have this little thing called what the hell is going on with this guy's game? Remember this, Rowdy? Why is it playing right here? The simple truth is that I'm innocent. I've maintained my innocence uh, from day one, and ultimately uh, I was proven to be innocent. Remember that? Yeah, that might go down as one of the worst press conferences (laughs) of all time. So I'm saying everything is in play. Now, Ryan Braun... Uh, statistically, one of the greatest brewers of all time. But what you have tainting it is, again... The simple truth is that I'm innocent. I've maintained my innocence uh, from day one, and ultimately, uh, I was proven to be innocent. A lot of people haven't recovered from that. I personally have forgiven him. I love you, Ryan Braun. And then there's Christian Yelich. An MVP could have won two MVPs. No PEDs that we know of for Christian Yelich. But yeah, left scratching your head right now. What's going on with this game? All right, so you just think about it, Rowdy. But first, uh, speaking of the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, I was reading this little interesting stat here. So looking at the Milwaukee Brewers, Rowdy Telez hit two dingers yesterday. You had Luis Urias hitting a dinger and Jace Peterson in the ninth for a little insurance. The Brewers hit four home runs for the fourth time this season. Nine of their ten runs in the two-game set came courtesy of the long ball. Home runs have accounted for 49.4% of Milwaukee's total runs. Basically half of their offense, the long ball. Milwaukee's total runs, uh, homers, 169 of them of uh, 342. How sustainable, Rowdy, is the home run ball in Major League Baseball? Isn't that what the game's kind of predicated on now? And for the Milwaukee Brewers. Well, obviously for some teams, it's like the Brewers, it's more than others. Mm-hmm. You can watch like the New York Mets. Now the Mets are a really good team because remember at the beginning of the year, it was very comparable who had a better starting rotation. Was it the New York Mets or was it the Milwaukee Brewers? And then literally, what was it? The day before opening day, Max Scherzer is shelved and he misses his opening day start. Mm-hmm. Then fast forward about a month and a half into the season He's now shelved for oblique injury, and he has been on the the men now for closing in on six six weeks. Yeah, 
And don't forget about a week before opening day, Jacob DeGrom got put on the IL. He has not pitched yet this year. They did acquire Chris Bassett, uh, all-star from the Oakland A's. They still have Taiwan Walker, who's a solid starter. Like They still have good pitching, but they had two major injuries where both Scherzer and DeGrom, who are arguably two top five pitchers in the league, have been on the shelf for most of the season. Yep. They're still one of the better teams in baseball. The Milwaukee Brewers, they were supposed to be have the arguably the other great rotation. They have Woodruff go down for almost a month. They have Peralta, who's going to be down for at least two months. And then you had even Aaron Ashby, who's going to be down for about a week or two. So they've had major injuries to their rotation. Uh-huh. Now, both have decent bullpens. I would argue that the Milwaukee Brewers have a better bullpen. Both have... Uh, some decent bats, but I don't think you would argue that either team has just a huge uh, a bat that you can just completely, especially with how Christian Yelich has played. You can't just rely on one guy to just carry your team. You don't have a Mike Trout or a Shohei Otani that can just light it up. Yeah. I don't think any team they would, they would say between those two would do that. <clears throat> but if you ever watch the Mets, they score so many different ways. They score hitting the long ball, not to the extent that the Brewers do, but they'll also hit and run. They'll play a little small ball. They'll have productive outs just because I watch a decent amount of Mets just because a lot of times they're on MLB Network yeah. or the package. And they're good. And look at their record. They're good. Yeah, and they're good. So, Rowdy, uh, the Mets, find, by the way, Brewers playing a little small ball lately. Uh, we were talking about it last week, uh, or I think on Monday, when they were doing everything in the second inning against the uh, the Blue Jays on Sunday, and then we had to uh, we had a bunt yesterday. The day before, we had some bunts <laughs> and not executing it. <laughs> yeah, yesterday <laughs> they're out there. They're trying different ways, but you look right now when they've been more aggressive in stealing bases and putting the ball in play, they've found ways to score runs. But a lot of times, it's literally just sit back. Swing as hard as you can, watch it fly out of the park or strike out. And that's why it's frustrating to watch. Because yeah. when it's going good, it's awesome because the ball flies out of the park. Yeah. You hit home runs in bunches. Brewers at one point were a top five team in, in baseball hitting the home run. And then when you go on those dry spells and you can't hit the ball out of the ballpark, you lose eight games or you lose what? Uh, 11 out of 14 or yeah. whatever it was like I mean, now four in a row though for the Brewers and it's, and it's ugly to watch. Yeah. I mean, half of their runs come Curtis 49.4% of their and runs. If you're, gonna, if the you're going to play that way and be put together that way, you're going to live and die by that home run uh, right now, leading the way in the majors, the New York Yankees with 126 home runs, the Atlanta Braves second with 114. The Milwaukee Brewers are third with 105. And the Houston Astros fourth at 100. Houston's getting really hot. And the Blue does, Jays fifth to round it out at 99. Does that? Do you have every single team ranked in there? Yeah. Where do the Mets come in? The New York Mets are 20th. Exactly. They have 71 home runs. Like I was saying earlier, <laughs> yeah. the New York Mets have had a lot of injuries when it comes to their pitching staff. And I would argue that DeGrom and Scherzer outside of Corbin Burns are, are better than anyone the Milwaukee Brewers have yeah. when healthy. And you you have not had DeGrom yet this season, 
and Scherzer missed his first start and then got hurt in May, and he's been on the shelf since. Like that's imagine if if it was Burns and Woody that had been down for the Brewers for basically this entire season. As you'd Brewer be, fans, you'd be losing your mind. You'd be screwed. You would if you had this record and you had uh, Burns and Woody down for the amount of time that Scherzer and DeGrom was down and you had these 44 wins or whatever, you'd be ecstatic. You're like, how the hell have we won this many? Yeah. The Mets are doing it without even hitting home runs. Yeah. They're 20th in the league in home runs and their record for the New York Mets, 47 and 29 first place in the NL East. The Brewers are 44 and 33 third in the majors with home runs. So when you look at the bullpens, obviously the Brewers have a good one. And Rody, don't they say the NL central is like one of the weakest divisions out there? Correct. Look at the Mets in the NL East. I mean, it's not that crazy either, but I mean, still 47 and 29. Yeah, but you have the Braves that are surging. Phillies are playing 500 yeah, baseball. Above 500. Miami's like a sneaky team they're that they will be a thorn in the side of good teams. Yeah. The only one real bad team in that division is the Nationals. And you, you look clearly at the have three bad teams Pirates, in the Cubs, Central. Reds. Yeah. That's what we're going to say about. Well, it's like they look at their bullpen. Like the. the you would argue that depth-wise, the Brewers were deeper when it comes to starting pitching than the Mets, because you could argue they had seven solid relief or seven solid starters for the Brewers. Well, that depth's been tested. the The Mets, you would say, are probably top heavier if it came to like a a playoff series where you're going to go with three guys in your rotation. Mm-hmm. You could argue the Mets were a little bit more top heavy with Degrom and Scherzer when healthy, but then offensively. Both of these teams are supposed to be, you know, pitching and defense. The Brewers defense overall this year has been pretty poor. They're supposed to be a good defensive team. When you look at it just overall, you say, oh, Colton Wong, that's a plus defender. He hasn't played like it. He's played like one of the worst defenders. Willie Adamas, that's a plus defender. Uh, Luis Arias, solid. Rowdy Telez, solid. And then you go to the outfield, though. Hunter Renfro's got a good arm. He's pretty average other than that. Tyrone Taylor is essentially the definition of average out there. And then McCutcheon is aging. Yelich is clearly below average. And then whoever you want that fifth outfielder to be. Yeah. Like the Mets are getting it done too. And they're not hitting home runs and they've had just as many injuries. That's what I'm saying. It's like, you don't have to hit the home run to be successful. But that's what the analytic nerds tell me. Rowdy is you got to go hit the dingers. You got to go hit it. You got to either strike out or hit a home run. Yeah, But then at the same time, you ask those same experts nerds, in nerds in October, what team would they rather have? They'd probably pick the Mets. Yeah, Mets are only 20th in league for home runs. How are they so good? Listen, the nerds talking. But the numbers, the numbers tell me otherwise. Each NFL team's goat. Uh, I'm going to ask Rowdy on this and uh, one young Benjamin Kenny. Ben Kenny in the house. Benjamin. Good morning. And by the way, thanks for filling in yesterday. Gentlemen. It was a pleasure. A lot of fun as always. You know about tipping on Fofos? Not much, I don't think. (laughs) What you know about that? All right. So uh, Rowdy sent me this. Each NFL team's GOAT, this is at FanDuel, and the uh, the question is, what would you change here? Uh, I'll start with you, Ben. A lot of things. <laughs> Definitely. For the Philadelphia Eagles, fly, Eagles, fly. The FanDuel has tabbed your guys' GOAT for your franchise. The Minister of Defense, one Reggie White. I mean, valid point, well, I think. 
He's obviously not the Packers goat, but he had some goat like seasons for them. Would you say, I mean, would you agree with a Reggie White rowdy for a Philadelphia Eagles? Well, when I think of Reggie White, it's we're probably a little bit biased because when we think of Reggie White, we think of a Green Bay Packer that yeah. won a Super Bowl with Brett Favre. But, I mean, he did spend a ton of seasons with the Eagles. But I would have felt like the Eagles would have had somebody that they could easily point to, probably more than Reggie White. But I don't follow the Eagles organization that closely. I would say Brian Dawkins. Oh, yeah, there's a good name for you. Yeah. For the vibe he brought and the culture he brought, as well as the production. No Donovan McNabb? No, although... <laughs> would I, you party with him, though? I do love McNabb. I probably would party with him. Eh, I would party with McNabb before he went to Washington and went on that stupid I hate Philly binge on first take. That was, <laughs> was it stupid. McNabb was barfing all over the field? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, undoubtedly. Would you go back in time and be like, hey, McNabb, let's not party the night before this game. Let's party afterwards, maybe? I don't think he'd listen to five-year-old Ben, but maybe. <laughs> please, mister, please. I'd probably say I'd, Nick I've Foles, come back though. from the future. Big, big D, Nick? Yeah, for the record, I'd say Nick Foles. Man. Just because he got a big old hog or just because of the Super Bowl? I mean, because the Super Bowl. Or both. All right, so uh, also Reggie White. Listen, God did not tell Reggie White to, to stay in a, in Philadelphia. He told Reggie White to come to Green Bay. So there's that. Nick Foles has beaten Tom Brady in the playoffs more times than Aaron Rodgers has. Speaking of one Aaron Rodgers, how about this? Nice nice little segue here. The Green Bay Packers, each NFL team's GOAT. I may have gave it away. They have tabbed it to one Aaron Charles Rodgers. Yeah, and I think this is where it's probably a when were you born type thing. Because if you were born and watching football back when Bart Starr was playing, you're probably saying it's Bart Starr. If you were born probably any time from the mid-70s to... Probably current day, you're you're probably saying it's Brett Favre. Yeah, Brett one Brett Lorenzo Favre is what my goat would be. Yeah, and you would, you would have to be born what probably man two thousand after two thousand to say Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Well, listen, I get the Aaron Rodgers like he he took over Brett Favre's touchdown record. Uh, he's got more MVPs. Um, he's played longer for the Green Bay Packers. But here's the thing. Brett Favre is two Super Bowls, obviously winning one. And he's got this thing that's crazy to me. When I think of GOAT, I think of a guy who is, uh, you know, like, I'll say it, the Iron Man. Doesn't Brett Favre already have the Iron Man streak? Well, I think also with Brett Favre, it's that he put Green Bay back on the map. Yeah, I know. I love Aaron Rodgers. I would do a Panchakarma cleanse with him. But here's the thing. Brett Favre, to me, is the GOAT for the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> <laughs> Fuller a little late here chiming in, but he said, Ben, the guy that you guys are missing on there for your goat is Vince Papalia. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. No, I'll take D from It's Always Sunny. Oh. They did They did go to Donovan McNabb's uh, tryout Do those long bird legs. When all the Amish people were, were taking acid. <laughs> I love that episode. Oh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. What a What a show. All right, so, Rowdy, looking at the more of this list here, what other ones stuck out for you? Like, all right, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, the Julio Jones one for the Falcons. When I think of the Mike Falcons, Vick. I instantly think of Mike Vick running all over the Green Bay Packers at Snowy Lambeau Field. Yeah, I mean, Mike Vick, dude. I mean, listen, Julio Jones, phenomenal, but come on. I mean, Mike Vick was revolutionizing the game when he was out there. It was Mike same, Vick. Same thing, like, I think it could also do, like, when you were born. Like, the Buffalo Bills here, they have Bruce Smith. Like, great Hall of Famer. Yeah. But when I think of the Bills, I think of Jim Kelly. Yeah, I think of Jim Kelly, too. 
Uh, let's see here. Same thing with Emmett Smith. Obviously, great Hall of Famer, but I kind of think of Troy Aikman a little bit more than I think of Emmett Smith. Well, then they always say, "Well, Emmett, you know, I, I maybe like, it's because he's also a quarterback." I liked Emmett Smith when I was growing up, but it was I actually had Emmett Smith shoes. They were these neon Dallas Cowboys blue, and it was, it was a tough scene though. But Rowdy, they always say, "Well, he had the offensive line. That's why Emmett Smith was so good." I think of Troy Aikman when I think of the Dallas Cowboys. I also think of uh, Hank Hill from King of the. <laughs> Uh, any other other ones here? Let's see. Vikings have Randy Moss. I mean, that's I'm fine with that. Randy Moss is a uh, a legend. No surprise. Tom Brady with the Patriots. I feel like the Rams having Aaron Donald is a little bit much for me. Like I get Aaron Donald's like super super good and could be at the end of his career one of the best defensive linemen to play. Mm-hmm. But don't you feel like that's maybe a little soon? Yeah, I mean, Aaron. I mean, he is a monster. Like you think of like some of the guys that played for the Rams. Like you think of Kurt Warner. You think of the Isaac Bruce or the Torrey Holt. Yeah. You think of uh, even going back to like when they were the L.A. Rams originally. Like what was it? uh, What was his name? Was it Deacon Hill? I'm trying to. No, that's the quarterback. (laughs) Deacon Deacon Jones. Uh, yeah, I, Aaron Donald, uh, to your point, Rowdy, a little too early maybe for that. But uh, again, a product that I think of when, you know. He was about to retire, though. I don't know if it's early. Yeah. Do Deacon, Donald? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, then he just, didn't he just get reworked contract? He's like, all right, I'll be back. Deacon yeah, I Jones. Him, I was thinking Deacon Jones. He was the defensive lineman go. for the Rams back in the 60s and 70s. I'm trying to think. Of, I'm looking at some of uh, Joe Namath for the Jets. <laughs> that just shows you how devoid of talent the Jets have been for, God, almost, what, 50 years now? Well, he's. If you look at, like, for the Tennessee Titans, they have Warren Moon. When I think of the Titans, obviously they're thinking of the Houston Oilers before. Yeah, yeah. I think of Steve McNair. I think of McNair, too. Hell, yeah. Um, Dolphins, Dan Marino, okay. Browns, Jim Brown. Broncos, John Elway. Would you put Tim Tebow up there instead of John Elway, Rowdy? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'd put Jay Cutler. Cut, ooh. Uh, where are the Bears here? Ooh, uh, Walter but, Payton. Makes sense. So you have John Elway, but then obviously you also have some other really good. How about uh, Terrell Davis? <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of the time, though, the quarterback is going to supersede the the running back on good yeah. teams. I just think it's, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I get it, but man, Brett Favre. Maybe uh, I think whoever did this, it might be from the state of Mississippi, and they're not too How about uh, for the Panthers, Steve Smith? The I would put Steve Smith as the greatest trash talker to ever live. I think Julius Peppers would actually have to be up there. Julius I don't Peppers know if he would, would surpass say, Steve Smith, but he'd be up there. Yeah, I mean, well, he came back to finish his career with the Panthers after being with the Packers. You know? It's funny because when I think of quarterbacks for the Panthers, I think of Kerry Collins, Jake, Jake DeLone, DeLone. <laughs> and Cam Newton. I think of, I think of Jake DeLone first of all those guys, which is, I don't know what that says about me. All right, 608-321-1670. Twitter is at Zone Madison. Ooh. Yes. For the Baltimore uh, Ravens, I know they have Ray Lewis. Clearly, he's a great player. What about Ed Reed? Another great defensive player. <clears throat> Did Ed Reed hide a white suit, a bloody white suit, after killing a guy? No, he was just probably one of the best safeties of all time. Yeah. Ben, they're, they're, they're here if they ever found that white suit of Ray Lewis. Do you know no. what I'm talking about? I, I've not heard of it. I'd probably say Joe Flacco. You have not heard of the white suit and Ray Lewis? No, I haven't heard of whether it was found. Oh, it was found or not? Yeah, I don't think it ever will be. Yeah. See, the only guy on these... Maybe Ray Lewis is there because of the dance when he'd come out. 
The only guy on this list that I had actually had to look up because I didn't know who he was was Daryl Green for the Washington football team. Daryl Green. Yeah, who's that? I don't know. He is a corner that played from 83 to 2002. What? What? He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2008. Did you say 83 to 2002? That's what it says. That's what Wiki says. Ryan Braun, Christian Yelich. One of these fun little summer topics. Rowdy said this is an easy answer. I kind of agree with you as well, but some people can't get over it. It's like when Brett Favre went to the Vikings or left the Packers you know, for the Jets, then the Vikings. Some people just still haven't recovered from it. They still haven't gotten over it. I'll never, I'll never forgive Brett Favre. Oh, you had Bobby who called in a little bit ago saying uh, you didn't, if Brett Favre was in prison, he would go visit him. So yeah, I'll come with you, <laughs> which is a hilarious and incredible take. But Rowdy, Ryan Braun versus Christian Yelich. Uh, MVPs, you got guys that have helped uh, uh, put the team on their back and carry them to the playoffs. And, you know, they have a lot of fanfare, but then also there's uh, some knocks against them. What, the biggest would be Ryan Braun of the PEDs, obviously. Yelly right now is uh, the past two years of his play. So this is an easy answer for you, yes? Ryan Braun easy. versus Christian Yelich. Who, Super who's, easy. Who has meant more to the Milwaukee Brewers franchise? Super easy. And you know how I feel about Ryan Braun pre-PED thing, post-PED thing. Yeah. It was like he got, you know, stabbed in the back. That was like, that was my favorite player when I would have been, I guess when he came out of the scene, I would have been in junior high. Some people never recovered from that. And I still, if he, see, for the biggest thing for me is if Ryan Braun, who clearly was an MVP candidate, he was an MVP, he was a perennial all-star pre-PEDs. If he would have came out, and I know he was getting older, but continued to play at that same level for at least the next few seasons, uh-huh. it would have made it would be like, oh yeah, he definitely took him just to be just for health reasons, as he stated like in his second or third yeah. press conference. Yeah. Once I, he officially I get, I get got popped, I get it. But he didn't. He was unable to stay as healthy, and he just wasn't quite as good. And he was getting older. But when you look at what Ryan Braun meant to this organization. When he was coming up and broke onto the scene in 2007, that was when they already had like the Prince Fielder, the JJ Hardys, the Ricky Weeks, the Corey Hart's of the world, mm-hmm. and he was kind of like that guy that set them over the edge. He was another huge power bat coming up from the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. And then obviously he goes on his tear and becomes an all-star from 2008 through 2012, and then the PED suspension, won an MVP in there, could have argued maybe have should have won a second MVP. Also in that time, 2011 was the year where the Brewers had the most wins in franchise history. The Brewers made it to an NLCS. Ryan Braun was clearly the best player on that team. And I think a lot of people remember Ryan Braun because whether you like the guy or hate the guy, he was really clutch. He had a ton of clutch hits. Cub killer too. Now when you look at Yelich. He was acquired in 2018. Obviously, they also had signed Lorenzo Kane that year. They made a few other signings like the Wade Miley and the Jolice Chassin that ended up being huge for that season. But the pitching was really good, too. And Christian Yelich obviously carried the team for those two years. But he's been relatively bad since then. And and that's another thing. We we're complaining, myself included, <laughs> loudly about the Ryan Braun contract. Yeah. At the time, it was a pretty good ch- contract. Same with Christian Yelich. Well, he ended up actually getting out of it what? 
a year early where they were like, hey, we're going to buy you out. Yeah, There's out no a... chance that the Brewers get out of this contract with Christian Yelich early. Yeah. And at the same time, it's for more money. It makes Ryan Braun's contract look like small peanuts. Yeah. So and he's not answer? producing. And, he, and he's not producing either. And if I go right down... Ryan Braun's seasons versus Christian Yelich. Well, let me ask you really quick on Yelly. Would you say that when the Brewers lost to the Dodgers in the <clears throat> NLCS, wasn't Yelly the integral part to, to march all the way down there to game seven? He was, but also remember Christian Yelich has kind of shriveled up in the playoffs as a Milwaukee Brewer. You can look at his playoff numbers. They're nowhere near how good he was in the regular season. And that's even in his 18 and 19 years. Now it was just two years, so it's not like he's got like a decade worth of playoff appearances to show. But I do hear the Brewers every year. We've made it to the postseason four years in a row. Hell yeah! But I mean, when Ryan Braun was healthy and playing for the Milwaukee Brewers, did you ever consider moving him out of the three hole? No, exactly. You no, never no considered taking no. him out of the three hole. Never. People have been bitching and screaming to take Christian Yelich out of the three hole. For like two plus years now, and he's, he's succeeding now as leadoff. But that's what I'm but saying. Now leadoff. you're you're paying a guy almost twenty seven million dollars to be a leadoff hitter. It's, he better be the best god darn leadoff hitter that there is. <laughs> nice self edit there. You can say damn though. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Ryan Braun. Look at what he did post PEDs. I'm not going to count the year where he played less than half a year, but even not being a hundred percent healthy. 19 home runs, 81 RBIs, 25 and 84, 30 and 91. Another year where he wasn't healthy, 17 and 53, 20 and 64, 22 and 75. And then the shortened season where he had eight home runs and 26 RBIs. But if you extrapolated that out, it would have been close to 20 to 25 home runs and 75 RBIs. Yeah. Like he was consistently, even when he wasn't a hundred percent healthy and struggling, still getting to the low twenties for home runs. And if you took an average, probably the upper seventies for RBIs, Christian Yelich is not sniffing that right now. No, Christian Yelich is currently on pace for 15 and a half home runs and about 50 RBIs. So let me ask you on this one then, Rowdy. I mean, obviously I go and Ryan Braun too. Ryan Braun, we also have to talk about this. Ryan Braun was awful in the outfield when it came to taking routes and reads on baseball. Christian Yelich, not necessarily any better, but the one thing that separates them, Ryan Braun had a better arm, and that's clear as day. Yeah, I mean, Yelich's arm now is like a paper machine noodle arm out there. All right, so I'm with you on Ryan Braun, too. I mean, Ryan Braun, to me, is is incredible. I mean, the guy's timeless. Yelly was on the trajectory to be, like, one of the greatest brewers of all time. And oh, now he would have easily surpassed Braun, even if he just would have put together. So when they signed that contract, he had his 18, he had his 19. 2020 would have been short. Would have been shortened if he even would have performed well for half of that contract. I bet people would have been ecstatic yeah. because that would have led him to that 2024 season where the Milwaukee Brewers are set up in this current window to win and win with this pitching. Even if you would have said he would have fallen off by the start of the 2025 season, you would have eaten like three years of that contract. I think the Brewers would have been happy. Instead, they're eating the majority of that contract right now. Yeah. So we have uh, this really quick, Rowdy, and we'll get into the more layers of this onion um, after the top of the hour, 8 o'clock sports flash. Uh, but Rowdy, 2011, Ryan Braun gets his NL MVP. 2018, uh, Yelly, his NL MVP. Braun managed a career-high 7.1 war, while Christian Yelich posted a career-high 7.6 war. 
the brawny slash line, 332, 397, 597, in 629 appearances, 33 homers, uh, stole 33 bases. Braun also scored 109 runs and drove in 111. Yelly, his stat, his slash, 326, 402, 598. Uh, the, the two end numbers there are a little better than Brawny's. In 651 plate appearances, 36 home runs, three more than Brawny, 22 stolen bases, uh, less than Brawny's, in 26 attempts. And he scored 118 times more than Braun and drove in 110 runs, one less than Braun. So you look at these two in their MVP years, insane. I mean, they're very similar. Yelly just slightly better with the war. Yeah, but Ryan Braun has done this. He did it for more years. Yeah. He did it for more years in Milwaukee, and he did it for more years just in general in his career. And are we ever going to see Christian Yelich return to that MVP form? I say no. Yeah. Are we ever going to see him return to that all-star caliber type player? Mm. I would say probably not, <laughs> especially with what we've seen. And it's it's been a minute. Like, you think about it, pre-pandemic life at times doesn't seem that far. Oh, the before uh, times? Yeah, it doesn't seem that long ago. It doesn't seem that far away. Then you think about it other times, it feels like decades it away. It does. It really does. But we, in reality, it's still three seasons away. Yeah, like he is now the one was shortened, but last year was garbage this year. He wasn't playing very well until he was moved up to lead off and he's still not really productive uh, when it comes to the power outage that they're paying him. Yeah, his his fielding and his arm are getting worse. I mean, he's now 30 years old. Yeah. So, all right, we'll get into uh, more, again, uh, the minutia of all this. Uh, really quick before the news of the weird, our guy J.A. Krebs, says, uh, and we'll talk about it after the 8 o'clock, I just want to you know, plant the seed of this tweet, says, Yelly isn't a quarter of the player Braun was. My problem with Braun, though, is that he was a little bleep who refused to play through any injury. So you have that and then toss on the PEDs. Well, that's the other thing real quick is that Ryan Braun – always had the nagging, whether it be the oblique, the hamstring, the quad, the groin, whatever. Christian Yelich has relatively been healthy outside of the kneecap, which ended his season early, but that really only affected him the last month of that season, Mm -hmm. or supposedly. And then he had the back injury for like, what, two months? That's really been his only issues when it comes to health. Ryan Braun, it seemed like, was always dealing with something. Yet he's put up more consistent numbers for a longer period of time. The Bronchise. Uh, Rob, what also I love, your work at Forbes.com, uh, Conley Media as well. But uh, when we take the break here, I want to come back and talk about some of the, the pieces you have put out there. Because right now, Rob, um, before we do hit this break, what the hell is even going on in the NFL right now besides hopefully people not getting you know jammed up by Johnny Law? Like, what the hell's going on around here? People like hoping and praying that their their players are safe? Is that just about it? You got it. The, the, this is their vacation time. This is their quiet time. You know that they grind and grind and grind, and and they'll be back in three weeks. The coaches will probably be back in two weeks. Evo, um, you know, already getting getting everything set for training camp and, and the season, et cetera. I think I want to say it's like the twenty first or the twenty second. The rookies report. Obviously, the twenty seventh is 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 the first full day of of training camp practices. So. You know, they went through about mid-June, later part of June, before they all got out of town. So, you know, they get four or five weeks to, like you said, 
um, the, the number one hope for, for NFL uh, front offices is that their guys stay out of trouble at this time of the year. You know, so, so that, that's number one, I think, to a lot of people. And then number two is that this is when these guys get their vacations. You know, they're, 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 they're making sure they, they have their bodies in, in tip-top shape when, when they come back in. But in terms of news, Evo, this is absolutely the, the quietest, the, the most dead time you will find all season, um, you know, all, all 52, 53 weeks in, in an NFL calendar. This is, uh, this is when everybody goes away and kind of gets their vacation and gets their rest, and they, they turn it over and say, hey, you know what, NBA, we're going to give you about a month. Hey, hey, Major League Baseball, we're going to give you about a month, and then we will be back our in, time. in mid, mid to late July to steal all the headlines again. Yeah. Do we know what LaFleur is doing for vacation? Because I don't know if you saw this or not, but like you said, they want everybody to stay low-key, stay out of trouble, go go have your family time. And then there's Cliff Kingsbury, who the biggest thing about him is scandering off to Croatia with like his Instagram model girlfriend and popping up there. It was like the biggest off-season story outside of a guy from Chicago uh, getting busted with guns. Yeah, wouldn't we all like to be Cliff Kingsbury? Yeah, right. Matt LaFleur is going to be, I, I, and, and again, no, nobody got into him, into it with him or even asked as far as I know of Nelly last time. Uh, we, we met with him, which was two weeks ago, about what his vacation plans were. I mean, there, there's, a lot, there's, a, there's a lot more topics coming out of Green Bay that are newsworthy than, than Matt LaFleur. Did he say what he's doing for vacation? vacation. I, I, do, I do know he's very fond of Door County and – I, I know a number of people have seen him in Door County, uh, you know, over his first few years. It's, I'm sure it's a little bit trickier with, with two young boys and, you know, the, the, the wife in terms of, of trying to figure where they're traveling. But, no, Nelly, I don't, I don't have a clue where they're going to go. Sounds like him and uh, A.J. Dillon will be chilling out, reading the playbooks together in Door Could County. Be. Yeah. Could be. We, we, we all know that Dillon will be mayor up there someday. Oh, I mean, there's there will be three mayors, Rob. A.J. Dillon himself, then his quad, and his other quad. That'll be the, the, the deputy mayors. What a guest appearance by one Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, Conley Media. Robbie, there's the Zeppelin. Now we're cooking with uh, with some smoke here, baby. How does it feel? Some fire. Greasy, split down, groovy leather trim. Let it ride. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Nothing better. Outstanding. Yeah. I, I tell you what, if you can never find a woman who knows the Zeppelin lyrics, you better lock her up. Uh, that's why I locked mine up. I taught her. Uh, I taught her just a little oh, bit of black dog. I, I, I know you. you I'm, I'm just. I'm speaking in generalities, but that, that's a good life lesson too for Nelly. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, mama. I said the way you move. Gonna make you dance. Gonna make you groove. All right, Rob. She doesn't know that. Next. Next. All right, Robbie. I'm looking here at For- Forbes.com. Your amazing article. I see it posted on your Twitter account at Rob Reichel one hour ago. The Packers remain one of the NFL's elite teams. But there are three major issues that could slow them down in 2022. Robbie, hit me with this one. Who's going to catch the damn ball? Great question. And you, and you, and you scratch your head and you wonder, is, is, is the player even on the roster right now? Right, Evo? And, and again, I, I expect them to begin the year with kind of this cast of characters among among the wideout position that, that they currently have. But but I, I mean, I'm telling the Evo when when you look at it, it's I, I think the football focus last week they did a really good piece. They they do positional overviews at, at this time of the year, and they go one to thirty-two. 
And, and Green Bay ranks pretty high in the majority of them. Uh, it, it, we've talked about this many times on your show, Evo. I mean, it's a really good roster. But the Packers wide receiver ranked 31st in the National Football League. Number 31, the only one worse is the Bears, which, which is no surprise. But, but I mean, Evo, when you look at it, you know, they, they, they got a – they got a couple guys, uh, you know, on the on the last couple holes of their career, and Randall Cobb and, and Sammy Watkins. Um, Alan Lazard is is the picture of mediocrity. Amari Rogers caught four passes last year, Evo, and, and then you've got three rookies, right? Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, and and Samari Toure. And um, I mean, I I, I guess Evo. It is really interesting. It's, it's, it's when, when Aaron Rodgers talked, I guess I guess it was still this month because it's June 30th, but earlier this month, um, he referred to Lazard as the new number one. And, and, and that, that that's just not going to win you playoff games. That That's just not going to win you championships um, if, if that winds up being the case, Evo. They, they need Sammy Watkins to be even 75% of the player that was once the fourth overall pick in a draft if Sammy Watkins can kind of turn back the clock to what he what he was at at Clemson in his early years in Buffalo and and what he timed and and lifted and ran and all those things when when he was uh you know coming out of you know and and part of the 2014 draft and some of his numbers at the combine that that may not be possible Again, Evo, he's coming off career lows in every category, just like Randall Cobb is. Mm-hmm. But Sammy Watkins, to me, and Christian Watson are probably the two guys that by the time you get to January might have a chance to be a player that opposing defenses, I don't even want to go as far as saying fear Evo, but, but have to you know totally respect in their game plan. But you know, right right now, as as you look at the at the group they're going to put on the field here in Week One when, when they go to Minnesota, I mean, I'm, I'm going to just guess off the top of my head that that the top three and in you know the top four maybe are, are going to be Watkins, Lazard, Randall Cobb, and and probably Christian Watson if he can have a really good training camp, uh, able to work his way in, into that group. You know, in, in a perfect world, Amari Rogers shines and he. And he takes Randall Cobb's snaps in the slot. Yeah, but we live in an imperfect world, Rob. We sure do. We sure do. I mean, we, we, we hey, Randall Cobb, good guy, and, and thanks for the memories. But, uh, but, but again, he, he's on hole 18, and he doesn't have a, a lot to give him. Um, you know, it's a great question, Evo, and I don't have a great answer. Well, I think it's, 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 is, is that the most glaring and jarring question it for is, the Green Bay Packers? It, it, is, it is far and away the number one issue on this football team. It, it clearly is the area that can hold this team back from greatness and, and winning a Super Bowl uh, because Evo, when, and, and you know this, and Packer Nation has seen this and experienced it so many times here in the last decade plus, and specifically the last couple of years when they've been the number one seed and hosted playoff games. By the, by, the, by the time you get to the divisional playoffs or an NFC championship game, you are seeing the best defenses in football. You're seeing the 49ers. You're seeing Tampa Bay. Uh, the last couple of years, if, if you're Green Bay, and you know you remember back to 2014, they they saw Seattle, which was the number one defense in football. The Rams have an outstanding defense. They they played them at various times here in, in the postseason the last few years. Um, but the bottom line, Evo, there is those teams have would have absolutely no reason to fear the the, the Cobbs and 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 the Rogers and and the Lazards and the Sammy Watsons of, of the world, and and they will take those guys away. And it was already hard enough for Aaron Rodgers to win playoff games with Devontae Adams. 
Um, now trying to do it without him and an unproven group of wide receivers. I didn't even mention Robert Tunyon, who's really their only legitimate threat in the passing game at tight end, Evo, trying to come back from, from his ACL. So, you know, whether one of these young guys steps up, whether, whether a guy like Sammy Watkins finds, you know, the fountain of youth for a year, uh, Evo, or whether they make a trade either, you know, somewhere along the line in training camp or before the NFL trading deadline gets here, this really would be a struggle for them to try to win a Super Bowl with this group of wide receivers. The rest of that roster is put together extremely well, Evo. They're going to have a top five defense. Yeah. They're going to have a top ten running game. They've got a two-time MVP at quarterback. There's eight or nine guys in that offensive line. That, that are starting caliber football players. But at the end of the day, what's going to prevent them and, and stop them from greatness is this group of wide receivers. Because we all know the way to win in today's NFL is through the air typically, and Green Bay is just not equipped to do that right now. It's Yeah, I mean, Robbie, looking at it right now, and uh, let me ask you this. I know we're up against the break here. Um, Rob Rice is joining us right now. So, Rob... You said maybe this wide receiver isn't even on the roster right now. Are there any like I say, like Odell Beckham Jr. floating around out there? Is there any like big name that could potentially come to the Green Bay Packers? Well, then, boy, I mean, if, if if they're gonna go off the street at this point in time, Ebo, then they're, they're probably not getting anybody better than than some of the guys they already have on the roster, right? Julio Jones at thirty three, and really on the on the on the wrong side again of of, of where his career once was. Ty Hilton around out there he's 32 or 33 himself you know Cole Beasley might be a better slot receiver than Randall Cobb but if, but if they went and did that Evo you know the quarterback will, will, will lose his mind if, if they moved on from Cobb for Beasley or or something like that what I meant there is you know do you get to yeah. the end of training camp and a team like Seattle right? okay gotcha, gotcha. Metcalf Right. If I mean, I know Washington just locked up Terry McLaurin, so let's take him out of the equation. He's obviously not going going anywhere. But but one of these guys, Evo, that that that's in a situation where he's not going to get a long term contract, where where he's frustrated, where, where where he is a legitimate number one or, or Evo, even a number two. Green Bay would be thrilled, I think, at this point to to come back and get a number two. And and whether that player comes uh, in late August, Evo, or late October when the trading deadline hits. I, just, I think that's going to be an ongoing story around this franchise and around this football team until some of these guys on the gotcha. roster prove that they can handle it week in and week out. I got you, Robbie, my man. Rob, uh, we're going to check all the uh, workout, Forbes.com, Conley Media. Uh, before I let you go, though, Robbie... Usually I'll ask you like a, maybe like if you're back on the great council side of things yet. Uh, Rowdy, <laughs> Rowdy and I were talking though a little bit. Uh, what has meant more, or you know, who we gravitate towards for the Milwaukee Brewers, i.e. Uh, Christian Yelich or one Ryan Braun. A lot of people won't forgive Brawny for the BEDs. We were talking about this earlier today. Are you a Braunchise guy or are you a Yelly guy? Well, I'm not. I'm not either. You know that. <laughs> you know, I, I hell, I, I'm, I'm more a Hernan Perez guy oh, than either of those two guys. Wow. <laughs> wow. But, but uh, no. In terms of who has meant more to the franchise, there's there's no doubt it's Braun. I mean, PEDs run rampant. They're you know they're relevant and. In all these sports, you know, how you know, how can he cover them up? How can he disguise them? There, there are guys getting away with this 24-7, 365. Um, I, I think what will always bother people is how Braun handled that, and, and he sold the guy from Kenosha, you know, down, down the river. Hey, he's a Cubs fan. No, 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 no question. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I, you know, Yelich has had two good years, and, and now he's, 
what, going to make $30 million a year until 2029 and, and, and handcuff this franchise. Braun, at least his production stayed relatively high. Uh, I would say Ebo. So, I, you know, if, if you're making me pick between two poisons, I'll, I'll take Ryan Braun. All right, Rafi, you got it. Uh, Hernan Perez jersey coming in the mail momentarily. Okay, buddy? <laughs> Can't wait. That'll be my 4th of July uh, jersey, I guess. So. You can wear it at the parades. Robbie, we love there you. There we go. Thanks, S- see thanks, you, buddy. Have a good fourth. Thanks for the two segments. You too. Happy Independence Day coming up. Hernan Perez? That's yeah. a little much. <laughs> But I'm told by the Grant Billses of the world, and we love you, Grant, and the analytic nerds and all these you know people that wear socks with sandals and got low T, that we're supposed to just just hit the home run ball or strike out rowdy. Manufacturing runs, that's not the case. You can't ever bunt. You can't ever do this. I'm told by these people that we're supposed to hit the home run ball, rowdy, because the numbers tell us to. The, the numbers. Well, look at the Mets. They're 20th in the league for home runs. 20th. And look at their record in the NL East. Yeah, and Fuller's not wrong when he says Alonzo has to uh, uh, basically stand for a huge percentage of those home runs. I don't know what that percentage would be, but you'd have to imagine it is a lot of Pete Alonzo as he's a guy that, especially since he came onto the scene as a rookie and hit 50-plus home runs. Former Madison Mallard, by the way. He's been a guy that's been a big, big power outage guy for the Mets. And, yeah, they don't have a ton of guys other than him that hit home runs. But that's the thing. They still win games. Yeah, they still and it's not like like, Pete Alonso, a good player, even if he hits 50 bombs, I mean, that's what, a roughly one every three games? That's crazy. Uh, speaking of home runs, though, Rowdy, how about this? So let's see here. Blast from Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton gave the Yankees 57 home runs in the month of June. That's a record in Major League Baseball. 57 home runs in the month of June. Now you look at the Yankees. They are the best team in the majors uh, when it comes to uh, their record. And obviously you see them just cranking bombs. But before you took a vacation day on Wednesday, Rowdy, uh, you're talking about the Yankees on Tuesday. And it was kind of, I wouldn't say, are they lucky or aren't they lucky? Like, are they lucky or are they good? Well, it's not that the, it's not that the Yankees aren't good because clearly the Yankees are a good team. You should never be bad when you can go and buy you're, your team. You're 56 and 20, yeah. a winning percentage it's, of 737. But Jesus, you like, you look at some of the players, like obviously judge is a big home run hitter. Obviously Giancarlo Stanton is a big home run hitter. Mm-hmm. DJ LeMahieu is a really good baseball player. Like they have a lot of pop in that lineup. Then you play at Yankee Stadium, which is a small stadium as well. You're going to have a lot of home runs. But the Yankees have been extremely lucky. They've had going into uh, the other. I think it was Monday. They've had ten walk off wins in their last at bat. It's crazy. It's the third most in baseball history before July. It's crazy. Now. Are you going to have a few walk-offs? Probably. Every team's got a few. But to have 10? (laughs) I mean, that record might be a little bit more inflated than we actually think. Then you saw the Astros come into Yankee Stadium and actually play pretty good baseball and seem like they're starting to surge a little bit. Now, funny that we're, we're talking about the Yankees, the Mets, and then I bring up the Astros because the Astros were actually out there on the East Coast played a four-game series, I believe it was, with the Yankees, then turned around and played a three-game series with the Mets. That concluded last night. The Yankees were playing the A's right after they finished with the uh, Astros. That concluded last night. Now both teams have to meet and play in Houston today. 
<laughs> Man. Yeah, so that's a that's a lot that's a lot of the Houston Astros got a lot of uh, New York City for the last week and then had to go turn right around <laughs> and see the Yankees again. No kidding. In Houston. That's a lot of yeah. All right. Uh, maybe we'll see some fights or something. Who knows? Uh, some bad blood out there. Yeah, but looking at this, it's just it's just very intriguing of how uh, you see other teams, you know, finding ways to win ball games. You got the Yankees just hitting home run after home run after home run. You have the Mets who are just manufacturing runs. You have the Brewers who live and die by the home run who are right now are hot. Well, you talk about ten walk off wins before July, and we're that's it. That's in your last at bat. That's not even counting the games where yeah, remember like the, the other night like where a, we took them in a, in a parlay and they were down five to nothing. Put seven in the se- they they won the, the game seventh? nine to five and it wasn't a walk off, but they were trailing halfway through the game five to nothing. Yeah, I think in the seventh inning is when they started that, putting up the that runs. doesn't even count. When no, it comes a, yeah. to a, the walk-off 10 wins, which is literally third best in all time yeah. for Major League Baseball. One, does that show that they, they don't quit? Yes. Does that show that they're a good team? Yeah. Are they maybe as good as their record? Maybe it's a little inflated. Yeah. And say they only had like five walk-off wins and they were sitting there with five less wins. They're a little bit more back to the pack. Yeah, so it's it's just intriguing. It's a good like you know look around the league to see what's going on. Our guy uh, J A Krebs just tweets at me. He says, "Do you trust any brewer to make contact to play small ball or get bunts down?" I don't. They strike out too much. Well, speaking of bunting that didn't really work out, how about yesterday, Rowdy? Yeah, Christian Yelich, he laid a bunt down. Now, not exactly sure if that was like a legit sacrifice bunt because if you watch. It looked like had he pushed it a little bit further towards the second baseman, he might have been trying to bunt for a base hit there. <laughs> and then people, and like, then it worked out as a sacrifice after the fact because there was a guy out. And then, Rody, you brought this up. I mean, Christian Yelich, and we're going to talk Christian Yelich versus Ryan Brown coming up here. But Christian Yelich, he, former MVP, he could have won another MVP if he didn't blow his kneecap out and Bellinger took it. But, Rowdy, Christian Yelich and the home run ball, do you trust Yelly to hit home runs? Or do you trust him to try and maybe, you know, get a bunt down or manufacture some runs? Christian Yelich is on pace for how many home runs? 15 and a half currently. 15 and a half. It would be his fifth most in a season. Fifth. So it's not like he's he's some big power source this year. 15 and a half home runs for one Christian Yelich. That's what he is on pace for. And... See, and that's even a little bit different because it would be his, like I said, it would be his fifth highest totaling season for a home run. But in 2020, he hit 12 home runs and only played in 58 games. I mean, he's currently at seven, but he's played 73 games right now. So there was clearly more power uh, from him in 2020 than it is in 2022. So maybe you could even say if you extrapolated out 2020, this would be his sixth highest home run total. Yeah, and you look at what Yelly did for a reference. His MVP season 2018, he had 36 home runs. And then in 2019, before uh, you know he busted up his kneecap, blew it out, he had 44 home runs. Well, even just, on pace for 15 and just post 2020, we saw 2021 where he hit nine home runs. It was an awful year. The only other years where he would have had um, less home runs than what he's currently on pace for is when he was 21, 22, and 23. We found out today, Rowdy, the Brewers, 49.4% of their offense comes courtesy the long ball. You look at the New York Mets, who are one of the best in the majors, they're 20th on the list. They manufacture runs. They find ways to get it done. 
There was a couple bunts recently, though, for the Milwaukee Brewers. And they say this. Have you ever heard this saying, Rowdy? They say uh, that if a butterfly... And Ben, if you've heard this saying, they say if a butterfly flaps its wings in Japan, it can change weather halfway across the world. Can I go back to something you said? Hang on, hang on one second. Have you heard the saying? No, I've not. You've not? The butterfly effect, Ben. So, Ben, Christian Yelich tries to put down a bunt yesterday. It didn't really work out too well, but doing so inspired the Brewers to win 5-3. to three. Uh, That's one way to put it. Uh, Sunday against the Toronto Blue Jays, it was uh, a bunt laid down. That, drag bunt. A drag bunt, which then inspired the Brewers to win 8-3. to three. And they now won. They're pretty hot right now. It was now. pretty much all because Jace Peterson dropped a drag So they bunt. say, Ben, instead Nothing of... Nothing but that. If a butterfly flaps its wings in Japan and it causes a, uh, a hurricane half a world away... I believe it's a typhoon. Well, no. <laughs> it's half a world away, so it'd be a hurricane in, uh, in America. But then, Ben, a bunt in the early innings inspires the Brewers to win later on in a game. Case in point, yesterday. I'm sorry, you can say what? <laughs> I thought what inspired them was Chichi Gonzalez giving up three runs before the team came to bat. There's also, yes, that. Definitely wasn't. Do you that. want me to, to <laughs> go back on you over generalizing? I, my me? I would never. Ben, I, I would never generalize. Analy- it's like analytic nerds is always brought you, you gotta up. Get right. then, you got to get it right. Yes, analytic nerds. Yeah, but then, I, you know, often those analytics are brought up constantly to talk about the game. So <laughs> I don't know which way it is. And by the way, the Mets, uh, they are fourth in majors in batting average. 20th so in home runs. They, they have a lot of good players that get a lot of hits. Yeah. It's not like they're this miraculous, uh, you know, small ball team. They just have great players, hmm. and they did like. They, I didn't say they're a small ball team. I just said they're twentieth in home runs. They, yeah, they manufacture runs. I, uh, I was against Yelich's bunt. I called it a travesty. You're at against the time. any bunt. No, I'm against most bunts. I'm against bunting when a good hitter's at the plate. I'd well, say you're against ninety nine percent of bunts. No, I would call it more eighty percent. Okay. Or maybe 70%. The first seven guys in the lineup. Actually, those the odds don't really equate because there are nine guys in the lineup. I did see your tweet, though. You called it a travesty of Yelich Bunting. Yeah, it was one word taking the bat out of you know the hands of one of the hottest hitters on the team. <laughs> Looking back, though, I, you know, I slept on it, and I do retract my intense dismayal <laughs> and... Uh, dismissal. Really dismissal of baseball strategy. I don't think Christian Yelich was bunting for a sacrifice bunt. I think it looked looked more like he was trying to bunt for a base hit, and if he would have poked it a little bit farther out, uh, farther out towards the second baseman, it probably would have wound up that way. But then at the end of the day, when he didn't quite get it to where he was trying to put it, he gets to say, I get the golden star for the day. I had a sacrifice bunt. Yeah, it was, uh, looking back, fine. All right, I'm okay with it. Also, Inspired the Brewers Pete, Pete Alonzo. Do you want to read my official statement? Uh, Rowdy? Pete Alonzo. Oh, Rowdy talks. He actually is, he accounts for 31% of the Mets' home runs. Damn. Former Madison Mallard, by the way, Ben. Uh, right here. For immediate release, <clears throat> Ben Kenny, producer of the Bill Michael Show and host of Kenny and Halpern, an average Twitter follower. Severe, follow. I'm Average sorry, follow, follow. follow, excuse me. Severely reacted to a play in yesterday's baseball game between the Milwaukee Brewers and Tampa Bay Rays. The play was a bunt from one Christian Yelich. He called it a travesty. Looking back, the defendant still disagrees with the decision. However, the Rays pitcher is a menace against lefties, and Yelich bunting is not a common occurrence. Therefore, the party in question, Ben, 
realizes the benefits the move could have had and rescinds his harsh criticism of the move. The Brewers are a winning baseball or the Brewers are winning baseball games and the hashtag process. Don't Ever. Should be trusted. Hashtag don't, process. Don't bring this 76 nonsense. I can do whatever I want. Talked about a That's process. That's true, you can. They're already blowing it up. That's true. It is your Twitter account. I'm sorry, your <clears throat> your average Twitter account. Yeah, but I can't believe Yelich Bunting inspired Rowdy Telez to go deep again. Well, man, again, I'll, I'll, I'll hit you with the quote. It's uh, Philosophically, you have to think about it. <clears throat> they say if a butterfly flaps its wings in Japan, it can cause... A hurricane half a world away in America. I kind of, kind of change it a little bit, but think about that, Ben. And think about this: What's the sound of one hand clapping? Should I actually think about that? It's hey, it's it's a philosophical question. I don't know whether to indulge these <laughs> large quandaries. It sounds like this, actually. Thanks. You're welcome. All right, six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. So you don't think he was trying to bump that around you? No, he was trying to bunt. Right. I just think he was trying to bunt for a base hit. He wasn't straight up sacrificing. Or sack bunt, excuse me. Yes. I'd still rather see him swing the bat. He was two for four yesterday. He is hitting above 300 since moving to leadoff with an on-base above 400. I think he did hurt his team's chances at scoring a run that inning. And, I mean, it's pretty clear. They could have used another out or two, right? Like the wild pitch happened. Uh, the process of it, I'm not really behind. But... It's not something I that's think happened you could argue, constantly, so it's okay. Because I think the, you could argue if you're going to take the opposing side that the Brewers were even worse trying to manufacture a run since not only did they get the bunt, but you also had a wild pitch, which allowed the guy from second to go to third. You still had third one out, and you were unable to score or put anything in play um, with the one out, and then obviously McCutcheon grounded out to end the inning. I'll just say this. Have you guys noticed the Brewers have been bunting more and they've been winning more? What do you mean they've been they've bunted twice? Yeah, more than usual. And guess what? They've been winning baseball games. Just yeah, saying. They've been is... bunting more. They've been winning more. I think just in general, you need to play more aggressive. Uh, prove me wrong. Have the Brewers not been bunting more than usual? I'd argue Jason Alexander's been starting more and they've been winning more. Boys, have the Brewers not been bunting more than usual? Uh, I don't think there's a scientific way to argue that. Definitely less than last just, year. You just got to answer my question, though. Have the Brewers been bunting more as, as of late? Less than last season. Have the Brewers been bunting, bunting more recently? Compared to when? Uh, earlier in the season. Uh, I can't say that for sure. The answer <laughs> is yes, they have, and they've been winning. Sometimes, sometimes, folks, when you host a radio show and the people around you that just make it difficult, you just got to answer your own question. Yes, they have been bunting more, and yes, they have been winning more.